0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Wrapping with the Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer. And today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Dmitry Tuminov. Dimitri has been um, keeping reef tanks for the past 10 years. And in um, March 2016, his uh, 180-gallon tank was honored as Tank of the Month on Reefkeeping.com. Dimitri also has a YouTube channel, is a programmer by trade, and has created Aqualogic to help himself on other reefers, log data for their aquariums and simplify reef keeping and maintenance. Dimitri lives in Toronto, Canada. Dimitri, welcome to the show, man. I think we're getting a little feedback here. Are you hearing the same thing I'm hearing? Um, Hi, Keith, Uh,
1: happy to be on your show, and uh, you coming very well to me, so I don't see any feedback from my channel, but we may need to ask. um,
0: Yeah, everybody, how how we sounding out there? I, I heard some feedback when I was Doing my intro and that kind of threw me a little bit, but um, if if we're sounding a little, uh, you know, if the audio is not good, then then let us know. But uh, hey, welcome, folks, to the show. I see Scotty Damron is back. Thanks for tuning in, Scotty. Um, Macy's Daddy, thanks for uh, tuning in. J. L. E. Reefer, thanks for uh, for uh, tuning in and looking forward to the show tonight. Dimitri, man, welcome uh, welcome to the show. And um, yeah you've been uh, you've been a viewer on the show and, and you've been a, um, a participant in terms of the uh, the chat and all that stuff and we kind of uh, chatted back and forth and decided to have you on the show and I'm really psyched, man
1: uh, the feeling is mutual uh, I remember even before I uh, you know noticed the channel name itself I always um, was fascinated by YouTube um giving me uh, a live feed suggestion of your tank so i remember just clicking on it once in a while and every single time when i'd see it the uh, metal highlights like these old school mentality to me was um, a huge thing so i'm a big fan i've never kept metal highlights myself just historically it was something else but uh Um, the way you were doing it is like by the book everything is nicely laid out all the right type of corals that I would pick the type of fish so um, even before I got uh, acquainted um, I was a big fan of uh, your channel
0: thanks man yeah it um, I'm you know I'm an old-school reefer and and I guess uh, old habits die hard so I still I still have metal halides cranking on my 187-gallon tank, but for the new uh, Peninsula tank, I'm, gonna, um, I'm going with LEDs, so that's, that's going to be a new adventure for me, and, and uh, it's a little bit more complicated with LEDs, you know. It's not just plug-and-play where you, you plug the, uh, the, uh, the halides into a timer and, and the lights go on and the T5s go on at a certain time. It's like, man, you got a whole spectrum. You could play with different channels and intensity, and jeez, you can go kind of nuts with that stuff.
1: Yes, and um, it's it's, it's funny, but I was one of the first, um, one of my first lights after going from T5 was uh, Ecotech Radiance, And I think this was right about eight, nine years ago when, you know, there were diehard metal halide fans. There were big T5, um, you know, Acropora keepers. And at the same time, LED was just starting to show up. And people have had a horrible experience with them. Like if you go to reef central, which was, you know, big at the time, you would find probably the same number of uh, channels talking about the type of salt, uh, and picking the right type of salt. The same number of um, threads were about, uh, uh, LED and the success. And you would have far and few, just a couple of people that were successful. And then the rest were always blaming all oh, these the spectrum or uh maybe the par or a whole bunch of other or the spread so always finding a fault into it but i find that the biggest issue was the customizability so basically um, the number of variables that you get to play with um, was i think the downfall of the leds in the beginning because um you know with t5s or metal halides. Your only variable is the time and maybe how far you have it up the water, which again is more or less agreed upon. Um, but with LEDs, you have all these options, all the spectrums, how much of this, how much of that. Um, and even once you set and forget it, you are tempted to change it the next day and then the next day and then. People come over and then you play around more, and then you look up another channel or thread where people are saying this is a better schedule. And with the uh, corals, as we all know, one of the things that they don't like is the um, the change, the variability. So well, I, good. I, lunch. I
0: vowed to set it and forget it. That's that's going to be my goal in terms of the LEDs. And uh, yeah, I was I was changing them up a lot at the beginning, but I had no corals in the tank, so I didn't really care. You know, I had, I was just uh, kind of trying it out and, and uh, seeing what the, uh, the colors would look like. You know, I'm, I'm not used to a lot of blue, but uh, hey, you know, I got, I got a second tank so I could play around with that now.
1: That's, uh, that's, that's nice. And um, for me, one of the interesting aspects of it was uh, when you change even one of the channels, if you check your alkalinity regularly, you'll see your alkalinity will change. So either it will drop that meaning means that maybe the corals are now getting more light and thus they produce um, their processes a little bit faster or it's the opposite. And unless you account for that uh, and don't change uh, your alkalinity dosing requirements, what happens is uh, you will have issues in your tank but they are caused by that particular change that you did just a few days ago.
0: So, Dimitri, let, um, we're going we're to kind of back up a little bit and, and get into how you got started in the hobby. And, and folks, again, thanks for tuning in here. And, and um, I got a bunch of questions for Dimitri, but uh, I see we already got a couple of questions from, from the folks in the chat. So we definitely want to, um, you know, take those questions. But I wanted to kind of step back a little bit and ask Dimitri, you know, you, you got started 10 years ago in, 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 the, uh, in the hobby. How did that all start?
1: Well, I 10 years ago I started in salt water, but um since growing um I'm one of those people that at 5 or 6 years old, uh growing up in Russia, uh, I didn't have a tank, but uh my neighbor upstairs had a beautiful freshwater tank with guppies and neons and that was the top of the line tank that one could have, you know, 30 40 years ago and um, what I was able to do is just pick up either some bugs or water bugs or whatever fish I could get my hands on and keep them in you know a jar and uh, sometimes they would die and I had zero knowledge of um, you know the uh, nitrous cycle or nitrogen cycle and whatnot Um, since I came to Canada over 25 years ago um, I uh, ended up getting my first tank, then the second tank went into African, African cichlids, um, uh, tropical, uh, then planted tanks, and then about 10 years ago, I've uh, ventured into saltwater, and that was uh, the beginning of what I've been doing uh, to this day.
0: So what's the reef keeping scene like in Toronto, Canada? Is, is there a, a lot of folks keeping reef tanks? Do you have a lot of, um, you know fish stores, local fish stores there that uh, you can kind of go and check out what's uh, going on? Do they um, carry a lot of SPS? How is it up there? Um,
1: It's a a good question. So I can pretty much talk about Toronto, which is one of the largest cities in in Canada and probably the one that has a big population of reef keepers, although Alberta in Calgary is uh, big into it as well. Um, but, um, I would say that we have a chain, uh, here called big Al's, and this is your next level after like a pet save or sorry, petco or, um, whatever shop. Yeah. Pet mart uh, that you would be going into. So they actually know what they're doing. They have a great selection of fresh water and some salt water, but you won't find like a higher end SPS corals in there. as of recently that has changed a little bit, they stepped up their game, but they used to be that for hardcore SPS, you'd have to go for into small boutique shops. And we have quite a few here in Toronto, uh, some really reputable names and uh, some of the new ones, are so uh, good at importing uh, things uh, that they get featured on reef builders very regularly, such as, you know, Reef Raft, um, which has been around for quite some time, but also uh, Candy Corals and uh, Frag Box. Those are the names that actually people in North
0: America all uh, have heard of. Yeah, Reef Raft, you know, um, they reached out to me a long time ago, I think. Maybe they didn't reach out to me, but... Uh... Somehow, a picture of my old two hundred and twenty five gallon tank ended up on their storefront. <laughs> but uh where where really? where is a uh, reef raft located in Canada?
1: so it's uh not far from me, it's about forty minute drive. Oh, wow. uh, we actually um, have a neighborhood there that houses about six or seven uh, you know nice reef stores all there. so basically, if you take your Saturday off and go down there, you are destined to hit. Probably five or six places and uh, I actually know what picture you're talking about because I driven past this place very recently So
0: so is is it like uh, you know walking into a candy store there for an SPS nut? I mean there's wrap I mean can you just um, blow like several thousand bucks easily in that place? I
1: would say so Um, now their history is um, such that they would uh, sometimes be close to the public. So a lot of times, you know, it would be like a year where they are only selling wholesale. Uh, but this is the place where if you want to get like the named corals, you know, the pink Cadillacs of the world, exactly. Like you would go in and, um, you know, you probably can find a few frags that are 40 bucks, but most of them are hundred, 200 and, and, and and more. So depending on what's in vogue.
0: Yeah. Well, sounds uh sounds pretty tempting but i guess uh you better uh bring your paycheck when you go to that place
1: and then you better be able to keep it yeah um, that's
0: yeah. that's another yeah, one. yeah so um dimitri let's um dimitri was kind enough to shoot some video of his uh of his system and his tank and he even <clears throat> shot a uh a video of his uh, uh freshwater planted tank and, and we'll uh, hopefully get a chance to talk about that but let's, let's take a look at that video. I also want to talk about AquaLogic, you know, uh, at some point in the show, but let's, let's take a look at the video and, and see your system, the equipment, your tank, and, and that'll, uh, you know, and then we'll come back and we'll just talk about it and find out how you like to keep reef tanks. So <clears throat> let me uh, play this and we will uh, be back.
1: I'll start the video Perfect. with my go. fish room. So here you can see the quarantine Tank for the fish, and this is the stage one quarantine for the corals, and this is quarantine stage two for the corals. So everything is gonna go first into the stage one and then stage two before it's gonna hit the frag system, which has not yet been built. And over here, we've got some equipment. This is my treasure reef. And you can see that it has fully grown in. It's a water box 190.5 system. And here I've got almost every single coral. I think every single coral has been grown out of a tiny frag. I have a new addition of a powder blue tank here. And overall the tank is doing very well. It's uh, lit by four Hydra 64 HGs. I'm already growing some frags and recently I've modified the sump to be growing even more frags in here. So that's one of the things that gets me into growing frags in a dedicated system. So this is lit by two Hydras as well. I happen to be very partial to Hydras, I am their ambassador. And overall, the tank is doing very well. I'm really enjoying it. So that is my
0: system. And we are back. So um, that's pretty awesome there, uh, Dimitri. You you have a very mature uh, SPS tank. So how long has that tank actually been um, up and running in terms of the uh, corals that you got going in there right now? Well,
1: uh, the tank has been up for about two years and um, I would say almost half of it is grown from frags and just a few that I've transferred from my other tank. But every single coral that you see here has been grown by me from a frag and
0: probably in the last three years. So you like uh, the hydras, what do you like about the hydras? A few very important
1: steps or aspects. One, um, they're silent. Um, There was one issue where they released the new ones where um, they were a little bit loud at first, but they've corrected it. So basically they are silent and it's very important to me. I never hear the fan. Um, Second thing, I'm a Strickler when it comes to spectrum. So you've mentioned metal halides. The thing for me has always been this color that you can get with radiance and um, you know the ballasts um, that particular combo i personally don't like uh, like purple color to um to a tank i think it's not natural so for me their ratio of the white colors to the blues has been the best. Like I'm trying to find something that is as um, natural seawater like as possible. And I was able to do that. And uh, the third thing that I really like is the absence of glare. So if I'm looking at the tank from the distance and I'm usually lower down, uh, cause this is in my kitchen, uh, I don't want to see any light coming my way. So there's no stray light because they are recessed. So that and a good spread, I'm I'm a happy Do you
0: um do you know what par they're generating? Have you measured the par under those?
1: I I do. Um, so the 64 HDs are easily right now at uh, 400 par um, in my kind of mid acropora layer, and uh, I'm not even cranking them up uh, to 100%. So I think they can easily get to 600, 700 with where I have them right
0: now. Interesting. And um, so and you, you and you have two fixtures over the uh, the tank. No, you I got have four. four okay, so, I, missed the, uh, I missed that. So you got some pretty good coverage with the, uh, with the four over that tank, and you got, a, and you got some yes. in the sump too, so you got... It's interesting how you've got a, a frag system in the sump.
1: Well, technically even two frag right. systems, because the way it's designed is I have a 64 over more shallow, prolonged space, and then I got the one that's a little bit taller. I have the 32 HD, and uh, they're running the same schedule. But I get half the par under the, the 32, so I can keep the Montes and LPS corals in one, and I can keep the higher-end Acropora in
0: the other one. So how many gallons is your sump overall? I mean, so the frag tanks are kind of like frag tanks within the sump, right? Yes. So in, in terms of overall volume in your sump, do you know what that is?
1: Uh, Probably, so I think the tank itself it's a 190.5 pro um, uh, tank or uh, by um, water box Uh, and I think technically it's only about 134 gallons Uh, so I would guess the sump is about 50 gallons give or take and those chambers must be maybe 7 and 10 gallons uh, respectively.
0: What, um, what gave you the idea to put the frag tanks in the, uh, in the sump? Was it just basically to try to save space and not have to um, plumb it in a, a separate uh, frag tank? Or did you just kind of like the, uh, the fact that it was all uh, kind of one-stop shopping down there in the sump?
1: Uh, well with this hobby, um, I'm guilty that I always like to change things. Like you always think that you can improve and sometimes you go through expansion pay phase, and then sometimes you do go through contraction phase. So what I was doing this, I was kind of going through contraction phase where you try to get rid of some of the stuff you no longer need and have like one place that takes care of everything. Uh, but I'm already, um, uh, place an order for, a extra large frag system. Um, that's coming this month and so this is probably going to be only temporary
0: so will that get plumbed into the uh, to the water box
1: uh, no it's, uh, it's going to be on a different floor um, and where water box right now is standing is actually in my kitchen so there's no space there for anything else uh, at the time and uh, this was actually a calculated move because um this is where we spend most of the time where we can actually enjoy the tank. So I've really enjoyed that uh, choice.
0: So we, we got a, a couple of questions. Uh, Macy's daddy is asking, so your tank is chock full of corals. Or is it, uh, he's asking, um, favorite acro and favorite LPS? So favorite acro, uh,
1: you know... Um, The one that I have or that I don't have so my favorite ones would still be probably right now Walt Disney and uh, pink laminates or strawberry shortcake, and I don't have any of those right now so the ones that I have I still uh, like my pink Cadillac and um, um, I do like my um, green slimer. It's a some it's an oldie. Oh and of course um, Valida because of the blue color. So that's for acros Um, LPS, uh, I would say um, I have this beautiful Cypastria that is, I think, Worldwide Coral Bizarro uh, Cypastria, which is bright, light blue color with orange uh, spots on it. And I do do have something called Darth Maul, which I think also came from uh, Reefraft and um, it's, it's a crazy color. It looks like basically the picture of the Darth Maul from Star Wars. Uh, somebody took his space and just put it into a coral.
0: Gee, Well, I'll tell you, Green Valley Slimer, that brings back memories. I had, I had one of those in my 225 gallon tank and I, I, I swear to you, the thing actually was growing out of the water through the uh, top of my tank. It was, it was just growing like a weed. I actually had to get rid of it. It was just so prolific and, and, and growing so fast. It was so, it's such an aggressive coral. And, I've got a couple of those in my tank right now um not not the uh, green valley slimer, but i've got the uh the tub stiletto monte which mm-hmm. is just really really fast grower for me and um the a t l forest fire digi is another um, fast oh. grower but um yeah, need to do some trimming so let's uh dimitri let's talk about your uh, your quarantine system i you know we saw that you you had some quarantine tanks set up um can you kind of explain to us? how you, um, you know, let's first talk about the fish quarantine. It's a great idea. And um, can you just kind of talk about what uh, you did to set up that quarantine for fish and what's your process in terms of uh, how long fish are in quarantine before you add them to your display?
1: So it's an excellent question since uh, for the longest time I never had a fish quarantine. But uh, about a couple of months ago I Bought. Uh, I made a big uh, on a whim, uh, mistake of actually buying a fish from the store. And this was a powder blue tank, which I've always had horrible luck with. Uh, I brought it in, the fish wouldn't eat, and uh, it was a really nice specimen. And I figured that uh, I would do everything that I could to basically make sure that uh, the fish is quarantined properly so that he has a chance to actually survive. Uh, I didn't want him to die on me. So this was what instigated me getting the proper quarantine system i actually did a lot of research looks like the 40 long breeders is the way to go i overdid on the um, water movement on the filtration and did the whole uh, piping so you actually have uh, lowes pipes in there where they can hide there's a little bit of live rock in there and uh, I must say I haven't lost a single fish since then. Right now, I have several fish in there, and um, I think going
0: forward, I'll always have one. And and how long do they stay in quarantine? And do you um do you, do you uh, use the, uh, the medication to treat them when you put them in there? So uh, right now they are uh, they stay for about a month, uh, give
1: or take, uh, sometimes a little bit shorter. I don't do any medication because I have some live rock in there and I just don't have the time nor patience to be measuring you know copper and, and do the pro and then skimming it after. Um, probably if I had a brand new tank that didn't have any fish in there, I would consider doing it because, you know, I'd be doing it one by one, but right now my fish, some of them have been with me for five, 10 years. And I know that some of them do have ick. I've never seen ick, but I have seen a breakout before in ick a few years ago, so I'm sure something can still be there.
0: Now, um, tell us about your um, your quarantine for your um, your corals. And it, it looked like it was specifically for um, for SPS, but um, I'm, I'm assuming that you could also quarantine you know LPS in there if you wanted to. But um, what what what's the basic setup in terms of the uh, the quarantine for your uh, corals? So.
1: Another great question because, um, I never had some, something as profound or so advanced as what I have right now, but the way, um, first of all, I was inspired by looking at the Jason Fox, uh, system. I think Builders did a video with him and he basically had a stage one, stage two, and only then things go into a main tank. And I'm thinking that since I'm now setting up a brand new frack system, um, I already have some aptasia in my current tank so I want to make sure I do it all by the book and um, my protocol is at least a month under uh, in in Coral one system so basically C1 as I call it. I have a big flipper magnifying glass on top of it. I can it's all on my um, chest level so I can actually see each coral and I can observe it. It's a very simple system it's got a skimmer it's got uh, a nice uh, Nero 5 uh, power hat and I have, Um, Some uh, Actually, my old 26 Hydra uh, on on top. So after one month here, I'm going to be moving every coral into batch two, stage two system, and then monitor it there for at least another
0: month. And only then they're going to go into one of my main systems. So what happens if you find a pest? Let's say you see an acro-eating flatworm, you, you know... On, on, a, uh, on a coral. What's, what's your process? I mean, do you, um, when you bring in new frags and corals and, and what have you, do you pretty much snip the, um, the branch off of the plug, or do you just inspect the base of the, uh, the coral in terms of where it's encrusting with a magnifying glass to see that it uh, does not have any eggs? What, what, what's your protocol if you do find a, um, a pest? So, um, I think, uh, me, uh, not, uh, ex-
1: doing things properly is the reason I have aiptasia in my main tank in the first place. And I was examining everything under a magnifying glass and I was doing all the dips and I don't think that this is enough. So basically now it's all going to be just small chunks. I'm going to be, I'm keep already breaking off all the, um, plugs. I'm putting new plugs in. I'm waiting about a week, and then I'm actually putting all of them into the dips once a week, check whatever something is going to come off of it, and then I re-glue them. So it's a lot of work, but um, if and if I will see something, I will just reset that month to the day until I actually don't see anything.
0: Does, do you uh, find that the corals get a little stressed out through that process? And um, if you do see them uh, getting stressed out, do you have another um, kind of... Um, path for, for those uh, corals to try to ease them back into the, uh, you know, the system. Um,
1: right now they are stressed out. I'm just giving them more time and I'm sometimes lowering the light. And what I do also is try to make sure there's enough, uh, food in the water column for them to get some extra nutrients from. Um, but I find that with uh, quarantine, whether it's fish or coral, it's either or, right? I mean, um, you either have to do a complete thing uh, or you can try to mitigate it, but you're probably gonna get something through eventually.
0: So we got a question from Matt Greer. He said, um, he's asking, I've got uh, cato coming tomorrow. I bought from a reefer online. Uh, What's the best way to QT that so I don't enter any pests into my system? Well, do you have any advice, Dimitri, in terms of cato? Well, um, I, I think the main question is where,
1: um, he's getting, uh, or she is getting this, uh, Cato from first of all, I mean, if you, because sometimes you're buying the buyer, so you have to look, uh, sorry, you're buying the seller. So you have to look at uh, where it's coming from. Um, and then the only other thing is probably same thing. You can put it in a five gallon bucket, have some light on it and just give it uh, another month uh, of just under the water to see um, if things are gonna die out. Unfortunately, when it comes to Aiptasia, that's not enough because I actually had Aiptasia on the other tank that I shot, brought down and um, I had it, um, I had all the live rock with no light in a big uh, bucket and uh, Aiptasia lived for over six months with no food, no light, nothing else and nothing killed it so
0: aptasia really tough i mean scotty Damron is saying the same thing i did everything to not get aptasia dipping new dry live rock um and to no avail i ended up with aptasia i mean i you know i have a lot of aptasia in my overflow box but not in my uh, my tanks and the way mm-hmm. i get rid of the aptasia in my tanks is i just have a lot of uh, peppermint shrimp and the peppermint shrimp can take care of it but um yeah in my overflow box and my uh Frag, uh, One of my frag tanks, I uh, I took out the shop vac a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, mm. and I just vacuumed the crap out of it. And you know what? They came back. <laughs> I mean, I thought I got every last bit of them, and somehow they, uh, you know, one or two survived and they came back. I mean, they are just so resilient and such a tough pest. I think it is very um, difficult to to totally rid of system of, uh, Aptasia, but I've, I've always found that if you put a ton of peppermint shrimp, you know, in a tank with Aptasia, that, uh, typically that's going to solve that problem. I know a lot of people use the, um, those like
1: file fish or yeah, copper band.
0: Yep. Or like call uh, cockwasser, uh, paste. Like, um, there's, there's a whole bunch of products out there. I haven't had a lot of luck with that stuff though. They, they just, um, seem to be pretty resilient. I uh, I gave
1: it three months where every two weeks I'd spend an hour using calc paste on all of the eptasia in my fr- previous frag tank, and same thing as what you're describing. I wouldn't see a single eptasia two weeks later. There's probably double of them. So I don't know what's going on, but it's uh, it's very frustrating.
0: Dimitri, let's talk about um, filtration in your uh, your tank there in terms of the um, the biological, mechanical, and chemical. Let's let's start with like biological. Did you start that tank with um, dry rock and, and had a whole bunch of um, you know bacteria boosting uh, bacteria products to, to start the process? Was there some live rock involved? Let's uh, let's talk about that for a second.
1: Um, so this particular tank, uh, it was all live rock from my previous tank. So, and even whenever I was downsizing, I would always keep my old rock and just have it circulating somewhere. So I'm a big believer in big bacteria, but for both of the, uh, quarantine tanks for the corals, I'm actually starting them fresh. And I've seen all the videos yours as well, uh, talking to Thang as, 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 as well as many others where you know, you weigh pros and cons and I figured that I'll actually do something with dry rock and just some bacteria. And so far I haven't seen any detriment. So I was able to put, um, simple SPS into the tank in less than, you know, two weeks, um, after just starting dry, starting the tank and they were totally fine. So like, I haven't lost anything yet.
0: What, um, what's your philosophy in terms of starting a, uh, a brand new display with, with dry rock versus live rock? I mean, have you ever done that in terms of starting a display with uh, dry rock? And um, if so, how'd that go?
1: I have. Um, so one of my uh, tanks about six or seven years ago, which was called Winterfell Reef. So this is when Game of Thrones was very popular. It was all done by macro uh, rock. and uh, what I found was there's something mysterious going on where basically have a brand new tank. Um, you take a piece of like, you take an anemone, uh, like a bubble tip anemone and you bring it in there. Uh, I was almost guaranteed that it's going to die in the first two or three months. And there is no explanation. Like the water parameters are all top notch. You've still have nitrates, phosphates lighting, but they would just uh, wither away and, and die. And then about four or five months after something happens and then they are totally fine. I find that it's almost the same thing with the corals where, um, just they're waiting for something, um, to mature.
0: I mean, I've talked about this a lot on the show that, um, and in my videos, I, uh, I'm a big fan and proponent of live rock and I've, I've always started my tanks with live rock except for my 187 gallon tank about five years ago, I did dry rock only and, and, um, it was tough man I just could not grow the uh, SPS like I normally could I had a lot of issues with the tank and so with mm-hmm. the uh with the new um peninsula tank I did use um uh, live rock and for the first time I actually had the live rock shipped in water and and KP Aquatics they um they recommended that I that I do that and it just came with a whole bunch of you know critters and awesome coralline algae and and the tank cycled within a week or what have you and I didn't have to use any bacterial boosting products and, and what have you. But listen, I know a lot of people have great success with um, dry rock only tanks, but I, I, I do firmly believe that the biodiversity of live rock really does help and that you can get uh, SPS up and running quicker in that sort of tank versus a dry rock only tank. But that's my opinion, and I know there'll be folks out there that won't totally agree with that thinking. Um. Dimitri, let's let's talk about um, mechanical filtration. I didn't notice. Did you have uh, filter socks in the sump there, or did?
1: Um, no, I t- took the filter socks out because I can never uh, be regimented enough to be cleaning them, and also cleaning them is a big pain. So. What I have right now is both chambers are actually used for some media. So I have a uh, zipper and a whole bunch of other ceramic media that goes through the water goes through and, uh, what I've done, uh, which worked was just a filter pad. So I take a big uh, piece of filter floss. I put it on top of one of the chambers and uh, then I can just toss it every three, four days. And even if it gets clogged, it still gets the water through. So. Um, I sometimes do that to polish the water
0: Greg Carroll yep. Yeah. all right Greg you're watching okay you got me he uh, he's having pretty good luck with his dry rock started only tank there Greg yep that's for sure dude I uh, I hear you Yep, nothing wrong with your with your tank that is for sure um, what else comments we get I use dry rock and waited four months to turn the lights on yet to wait to add coral yeah you know I guess it's it's um, different experience for folks, but uh, patience a lot of times will um, will always uh work in your favor when you're keeping a reef tank, no matter what you're doing and no matter which direction you head it's patience patience, patience, and not to uh, be reactive and doing a whole bunch of different things that's uh, that's a key thing I've always found in reef keeping true so um dimitri what about uh chemical, do you use uh, activated carbon in your tank?
1: Only when I do some serious fragging. So I find that, you know, the the glue freshly glued 20, 30, 50 frags will probably release something into the water. So I do um, then put a little bit of carbon in there. Also, I had a couple of times where I, my skimmer would overflow. And again, this is when I would use it. But other than that, um, I do pretty big water changes. So my water, whenever I can do the bucket test, um, I never see any yellowing, none of that stuff. So it's pretty clear.
0: We uh, we also had a question about your parameters. I'm just looking to see who uh, who asked the uh, the question. Uh, yeah, Macy's daddy. What are parameters? Philosophy on dosing and dosing anything special like Brightwell or, or KZ? What? Um, so let's start with the uh, parameters there, Dimitri. What what are your um, what do you like to keep your alkalinity at?
1: Well, so first of all, if anybody actually wants to see my parameters, and not only that, see every single parameter that I've ever taken, um, they go to aquaticlog.com and uh, yes, and I, I mispronounced
0: search. that at the beginning, and I apologize. I was uh, sorry. I, right. I, I, uh, yeah, sorry about that. No, uh, no, no worries, uh, no worries. Um, Aquaticlog
1: is a brand; uh, it's a household name. So, uh, but anyways. Um, you if you go there and just search for uh, dtum so my username or just type in treasury for treasure corals uh, you'll get one of my tanks and you can actually see every single parameter and you can see all my swings and whatnot so um and i continue using it on a daily basis but um i try to have my alkalinity between ar- around 8.5 so i'm very uh, standard when it comes to that 8.5 alkalinity I always try to have my nitrates visible. So anything between you know, two and five is probably what I'm striving for. Um, my phosphates, uh, this is the one that I usually have lots of problem with. Right now my phosphates are at about 0.23. Uh, they used to be at 0.4 in the summer and my tank was doing exceptional. So basically all the coral coloration, everything was to the T the moment i started to bring it down um i brought it down to 0.2 the corals uh, became super pale and i think that was one of the reasons so i would actually use a little bit of uh, gfo so i've removed it and right now i'm trying to bring it down naturally through just less feeding Uh, i want to get to the sweet point or sweet spot of 0.08 i've had lots of luck uh, around there but Uh, historically um, just the way I do coral husbandry my nitrates have always been zero my phosphates have always been high so I always had to dose potassium nitrate to the tank to kind of balance it out with the Redfield ratio lately I have not been dosing anything other than just very basic three-part and uh, I have so much fish in my tank that um, I think my nutrients um, are coming in at a high level
0: Let, let's let's dig into phosphate a little bit and, and that's kind of a frustration of mine in terms of getting an accurate read at least for me and on my tank on phosphate i think um that's that's a tough one and uh i'm curious in terms of what you're using for uh, for a test kit or you know what, what are you using is that um have you done icp tests to uh to determine your phosphate are you using a um what 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 t- kit are you using at this point
1: uh so i use HANA for alkalinity and for phosphate and uh, i find it's pretty very accurate if you have proper testing technique and i think my technique now is pretty top-notch so i, I do trust oh, it oh, oh, oh do share that, <laughs> well um you like i use a, a mini pipetter it's a thing that takes in exactly 10 milliliters of water. So it's sharp. So I don't look just at the meniscus uh, layer there. Um, I always, so there's a few little things. Um, uh, The uh, vial itself, it has a marking, uh, 10 millimeter marking at the front. So I always make sure that when I put it in, it's facing me. So when I'm doing the test one, it's, there's no uh, changes in the glass or reflection. So it's always the same. I'm super uh, careful about not leaving any prints on the vial, so I'm making sure that I always uh, take it from the top and the bottom. And I always make sure everything is distilled properly, um, so I'm pretty consistent
0: when it comes to Do you ever um, soak the vials in vinegar?
1: No, uh, that's uh, something that I haven't because I, I usually just clean them very well right after. So I've never seen any residue on them, but I can
0: imagine that still throwing me off. We, um, we had a question from uh, Insane Reefers asking, what's the best ratio for phosphate to nitrate? <clears throat> probably nitrate to phosphate for coloration, for coral, I'm assuming for SPS uh, coloration do you um, do you find there's a certain uh, ratio of your nitrates to phosphates that really brings out the colors in your reef well um, (laughs) my limited understanding of
1: uh, chemistry is that um, a uh, there is certain gold standards that at least we try for and usually you can you could deviate from that but that doesn't mean that um, but you are at least Uh, more chances of you being successful if you're going to try to hit that 0.04 to 0.08 for phosphate and your nitrates can be from, you know, one PPM to let's say five or 10. So, uh, so I don't think there's anything specific there, but the ratio I think is important in a sense that if you have zero of one. Then uh, corals are not going to be able to consume any of the other. So basically, whenever I had higher phosphates but my nitrates were zero, the moment I would dose even just a little bit of potassium nitrate, um, the corals would soak it in right away. Uh, in the ratio, they will lower the phosphate accordingly. And I think the ratio is 116, uh, I think Redfield ratio,
0: if I don't recall it. Yeah. Um- the other part of that um, question, I think, um, was the um, the supplements. And so you're dosing, you said three parts. You're doing uh, calcium, alkalinity, and magnesium, I'm assuming. Is that um, correct? What, what else are you doing in terms of um, any coral foods or, or feeds, or do you use uh, dose aminos? So, um,
1: I have used refroids, uh, a fair bit, and I find that when it comes to simpler corals, uh, LPS, um, you know, Goni's, they seem to all really enjoy it. Um, but for Acropora, I find it like I've never seen any, it do anything other than increasing my phosphate. So I have to be very careful. So I try to dose them, uh, sporadically and, and sparingly. Um, now aminos, it's, uh, it's a tough one. I've, uh, tried different kinds. I think I tried every single kind and, um, I, I've run into some dinoflagellates and a whole bunch of other issues now causation correlation, hard to say, but, uh, I think it's very easy to, um, take your tank to the overdrive here. So, um, for me so far, I try to do it very, very experimentally if, if ever.
0: Um, you mentioned uh, GFO. What, um, is, is that your main um, source in terms of nutrient export? or are you, um, I didn't notice any Cato um, or, or what have you. You're pretty much um, using GFO as, on an as needed basis and, and doing protein skimming and that's pretty much what you're doing for nutrient export
1: uh i almost never used gfo other than i think one of your guests um uh, uh, abe from uh, coral euphoria so um i like his channel a lot and uh he is you know shamed uh, me um you know, i not 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 impli- not explicitly um into bringing the parameters down so over the summer i figured okay i'm going to start bringing them down this is when i started to introduce gfo not in a reactor but just in a bag And they were very effective, but, um, since before that, I almost never use any GFO and the only nutrient expert in my opinion so far. So in my experience so far has been, uh, corals. So, uh, protein skimming, maybe a little bit of filter floss here and there. Um, but primarily it's, uh, corals. If your corals are doing well and you have lots of hungry corals, such as the green belly Slimer and, uh, you know, green star polyps, all of these guys, they soak things in like no tomorrow. And that was one of the reasons I did the frag tank, which I run at a different light schedule, is A, it increases my pH, because uh, there's always some photosynthesis going on, but also this is another place where all the montes, all of the fast growing corals, they will be sucking all the nitrates and phosphates out of the tank.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good point. It, it's really like two different scenarios in terms of nutrient export. It's it's really kind of like the uh, the beginning stages and, and the early stages of a tank in, in terms of what you're doing to kind of keep nutrients, you know, the nitrates and the phosphates in, in check and, and uh, within range in terms of what your targets are versus having a mature mm-hmm. tank. And, yeah, it definitely if you have a mature tank with a lot of corals, then um, – those do, do act like sponges and um, really can um, bring, bring down the, uh, the nutrients a lot. I mean, almost to the point where it's like zeroed out, but it's really like they're taking it in as fast as it's coming in, you know, in terms of the um, whatever you're doing in, in terms of probably, you know, fish food and, and, and what have you. That's most likely the, uh, the source in terms of the, um, you know, nitrates and phosphates. Do you, do you feed your fish heavily? Uh, So I have been feeding them super
1: heavily now. I'm just feeding them heavily. So um, Yes, I I feed a
0: lot So Dimitri now that we've been talking a lot about in terms of testing and and parameters and whatnot That's a great segue you you talked about um, You know aquatic log Give us uh, give us some more um, information in terms of what that's all about and and uh, you know How folks out there can can utilize that what um, what's a skinny on uh, aquatic log?
1: So uh, back in the day, and by the way, you may actually know the guy, uh, Brad Urbanek. He was super uh, big on the internet uh, about 10 years ago. He's probably, I remember seeing him in tank of the months all the time. So really good reefer. Um, And um, I just joined the reefing community. The first thing I figured was you need to be diligent about your test parameters. Uh, the first thing that you do when you Google that, his spreadsheet would come up. So he actually did a little spreadsheet in Excel um, that had all the you know columns and the colors and some calculations there. And uh, being a programmer by trade, the first thing I figured was like, well, I can do that, but in programming. So I built a little website called Aquatic Log, and um, it went live, I actually contacted Brad and talk to him about, you know, what he wanted from the actual website at the time, there was no mobile applications, nothing. So he gave me lots of good feedback and I was coding like crazy, you know, nights, uh, weekends, basically building something that I would be doing using every single day myself. And the moment I went live with this thing, people started to find me on forums and started to create accounts. And uh, for about four or five years, this was super popular. And then a lot of people started asking for the mobile applications. And basically this is where I shifted my focus. I'm now coding primarily the iPhone and Android applications. I do all the coding myself. Uh, This is usually me doing things at night. And uh, the main goal here is to keep track of all your parameters. So basically it's one page. You can click a screen. It won't lock out and you, you have all the timers, multiple timers, if you wanted to, and then you can see what my alkalinity was before. I can click, I can readjust and I can put in all of them all at once with my wet hands as I'm doing all of this. In addition to that, I've added photo sharing so you can actually keep track of your photos. You can keep track of your products as well as your inhabitants and one really cool thing that i've always used in it is for example a new product comes out and then you want to see all the other tanks that use it so you can actually go in and click on that particular product find all aquariums and their sizes and most importantly uh, you can see the photos of their aquariums because being a, a regular on all the forums a lot of times you can hear somebody Uh, You know talking bad about a particular product or they recommend another product or share their experience But you have no idea how good of a reefer they really are with this you can actually click And you can actually see their aquarium and their parameters and you basically understand where they come from so that's uh, been a wild journey. It's my eighth year running Aquatic Log,
0: and um, I'm still as passionate about it right now as, as before. Do you have to put a picture up there if you have an account in Aquatic Log? No,
1: and you can also make your aquarium private. Oh. So if you don't want to share your parameters or what you have in there um, with anybody, then it's going to be just yours and private. Nobody else will find. Is
0: there it. any integration with um, with the Apex and and the GHL Proflux? Can you? Um you know, export data from those, uh, you know, systems into the aquatic log.
1: So, uh, with apex, uh, you can do it real time. So you can actually um, have it, you know, check uh, things every day or every week. Um, GHL, uh, doesn't have an API, but I also integrate with, uh, reef, uh, keeper and uh, digital age,
0: all of these guys. So. Interesting. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's take a, um, another, um, I'm just looking at the chat here. Folks, I just want to remind you, if you have any, um, you know, more questions that feel free to, um, put them in the chat. Got Dimitri here for, uh, for a little bit longer, but, um, what did I want to ask you, Dimitri? The, um, let's, let's talk in like in generalities and, and, you know, and watching your YouTube channel, you're, um, you're very upfront and open in terms of, you know, things that, um, you know go well for you but also you you talk about things that don't go well for you so you know you've had you've had some videos uh recently about um you know some mishaps with the tank what um what what mistakes have you made in the hobby and what have you learned from them you know i mean it's a journey we're on here right so uh, if i had uh, uh, five
1: uh, cents for every mistake i made in this hobby i'd probably be net zero on how much i spend on this hobby uh, but having said that um, you know what I've made a lot of mistakes my biggest mistake and this is not it, this is uh, about four or five years ago when I had an amazing smaller reef so I had a, a reefer uh, 250 Red Sea and it was stocked with the best, my most precious SPS corals I've ever had. And by the way, we knew that we were moving. So basically when I was downsizing from 180 gallon tank that you've, uh, you know, we've seen on the videos to something smaller, I kept only creme de la creme corals. And then we were moving in February and I made the worst mistake that uh, you could have happened. So I've planned everything. Um, we did it fairly quickly, but I used the same scent. Why I did it, I have no idea. So like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like getting a powder blue tank, you know, that you should probably see him eat in the, the store. And yet sometimes you just forget about it. So I just missed that particular spot, uh, in my checklist. And, uh, we put everything together, uh, very quickly. And then all of my corals started to release the slime. And I saw with my own eyes the fruit of my labor, something that I've spent years collecting and and spending all this time on the money and and whatnot, they all died. The only maybe 20% of the tanks survived and that was just devastating. So that was probably my biggest uh, mistake that I've made so far.
0: You know, we all do it. Um, I remember early on in my reef keeping um, career, I was um, at a local fish store and this guy in Connecticut, just had um, great SPS tanks, and and um, you know he was using I think 400 watt bulbs over this tank, and he um, he had them in in uh, pendants, but he didn't have any of the uh, the lenses where he he taken the lenses out of the uh, the pendants to increase the PAR. Oh, the the glass. Yeah, the glass. About, right. Yep. So he, oh, so UV, right? Yes. So he took the um, and these were uh, single end and middle halide bulbs. So I had. I had double ended HQI 250 watt metal halide bulbs like I'm going to try that I'm going to I'm going to get some more par I'm going to take the uh, the glass out of those fixtures and uh I did that and man after a couple hours the the tank was like milky white because the 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 corals pretty much fried there was no UV protection because those those bulbs have no UV uh, protection in the glass yeah. the the single ended uh, metal halide bulbs do but the 250 the double um, Ended don't and I even had some fish that got burned because of that and um, Man, that was a stupid mistake But you you know if I'm not mis- if I'm not mistaken, you could have lost your eyesight.
1: You oh, really? Know, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah
0: So yeah, that was not that was it's not horrible. a good day in the uh, the reef bomb, um reef uh, world there Oh, man. Um, Vermont John, failures is not what defines you. It is how to deal with them and rise up. Yes, what <laughs> defines you. Well said. Not funny, but very funny, Greg. Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, so, do you do you keep um, Dimitri um, close? Pay close attention to the innovations in in the in the hobby. Are you are you one one of those folks that um, you know? If there's a new product that comes out, like you know, the last few years, we. Um, a few years ago, there was um, you know alkalinity monitoring and controllers that came out that made life a lot easier. Where, did you kind of jump on that quickly? I didn't notice if you have have one on your system, but um, you know what what's what's your opinion in terms of the uh, the shiny new toys out there?
1: Well, um, it's two-sided. Um, on one hand, I'm always enjoying the new to you know new toys, especially if it can make my life a little bit easier. Um, So some of them I've had great experience with, so like whenever Ecotech uh, releases a new product, I always try to try it out on one of my systems. But having said that, um, almost every single time whenever something new comes out in this hobby, uh, the first year can be a little bit rough. Uh, I have heard great things about the Trident though, I have several people with my friends that use it. I'm just a little bit, um, I don't have enough space for some of the new toys. So one of the reasons I'm setting up a brand new tank or maybe even two is to try a whole bunch of new equipment. So right now I'm actually trying out the Hydrus controller, which is something that is quite different from Apex. And I really enjoy um,
0: some new equipment just to see what, what else is out there. So before we get off the topic of reef tanks, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this because I've never done this before, we're about to take a look at your freshwater planted tank and, and this will be a first on this show. But um, before yeah. we uh, make that little, uh, take that little sidebar off into the uh, freshwater world, what, um, what's your advice to folks that want to kind of up their game in terms of SPS? What would you say are the uh, things that are most important to success?
1: Well, um, I think you've mentioned that many times in your shows, it's, you know, the combination of flow, um, light, Uh, to me, one of the most important thing I would say is balance, the balance between uh, nutrients uh, in the tank, between your alkalinity, your light spectrum, and uh, being able to observe your corals and try to make small adjustments, uh, maybe one at a time. And then measure it by seeing how they will react and take your time to actually uh, give them a chance to to change it and um and a little bit of luck unfortunately um without it sometimes you you can just not succeed
0: yeah no for sure I'm just looking at some more of the uh, comments we have in the in the chat um, sure. if we are if we are a programmer um by trade or well, essentially, I guess the question from Lynn Reef Nerd is, um, how can we get involved with um, Aquatic Log? What's, um, how does somebody sign up for that?
1: Well, uh, if if somebody wants to uh, use it, you can just go to aquaticlog.com and sign up, or just search for the app Aquatic Log in, in any one of the stores and download it and create a username and off you go. So, like the basic version is free, so um, you can pretty much do anything you want there. Now, if you want
0: as a programmer? Yeah, if she wants to be a programmer, um, help you out. Uh,
1: so first of all, if you uh, want to communicate through the API, I have one. So you can actually connect and uh, push your parameters. If you, I have several uh, you know, reefers out there that run their own Raspberry Pis or some other systems. And they basically build their own contraption to measure things. And they just give me, uh, through the API, all the parameters. So it integrates. But you can just email me at support at aquaticlog.com with whatever you have as a suggestion. And uh, let's see where it takes us. Okay, cool. All
0: right, man. I want to play your uh, your video of the freshwater tank because it's pretty cool. Yes. So um, let's take a quick look at that. And then we will uh, come back and chat quickly about that because I don't want to keep you too much longer, man. It's it's already 8 o'clock here on the East Coast. So um, well, let's take a look at the freshwater tank and come right back.
1: And sure. this is my freshwater aquarium. The cool thing about it is that it's lit by three radians, freshwater XR-15s. So the tank has actually been around for probably at least two years. I had experimented with the peninsula style, uh, which is quite unorthodox for freshwater, and also ended up doing something a little bit more conventional. So, it doesn't take a lot of time, and it's a great uh, palate cleanser um, when you work on reef aquariums.
0: Palate cleanser, huh? Nice. That is, uh, that is awesome. I've, I've, uh, that's really kind of like how I got into reef tanks. Well, I got into reef tanks because my father, when I was growing up, kept mm-hmm. um, saltwater-only uh, tanks. But um, I tried, you know, before I had reef tanks, I tried planted... Tanks and aquariums, and I just could not get those things going. And um, I assume that you need to um, use CO two. Oh, I believe it is.
1: Is it over or is
0: it still? Yeah, no, we're uh, we're on live, man. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs>
1: um, yes, I'll start. The- um, so I do run CO two. Um, I've done many different plant ta- planted tanks. Um, you basically, this is probably my sixth planted tank. And by the way, they're all on aquatic log. I keep the history. So if anybody wants to actually see the different tanks that I've done, I've done Iwagumi style, I had the Amano style. Um, the latest ones have all been CO2. So this is to me very important and you have to find that uh, balance because you don't want to dose too much of it because otherwise your fish are going to die. So you always just underneath that level to make sure that they are alive and yet the plants can consume it. So good lighting, not too much. Um, and uh, some co2 and obviously nutrients so you want to do something there
0: uh, Macy's daddy is asking uh, which tank is harder and more uh, more expensive a, uh, a reef or a planet aquarium I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'll let you uh, answer that.
1: Uh, I agree with your uh, Hunch uh, it's it's definitely a reef tank and by far the most um, the planted tanks um, The nice thing about planted <laughs> tanks is that they can scale meaning that a small tank and then if you go a bigger tank you are maybe just increasing a bit of light but you're not it's not costing you more the saltwater tank if you are doubling your saltwater volume you're probably doubling everything about the tank as well so i
0: don't know it's it's an awesome look and um i thought tetras were hard to keep Are you constantly like replenishing the tetras in that tank or uh, like the uh the neon tetras i thought those are not a uh, hardy fish to keep
1: so these are cardinals oh, those are cardinals uh, okay so very similar, just slightly different coloration at the, at the belly. Um, you're right. They, they can be very hard to keep, especially in small systems. I've had them sometimes die on me. But uh, this particular tank has been up for way over two years. And I think it still shows all the original fish that I
0: had there. My favorite freshwater fish was um, our conga tetras. Those are so cool with the long fins and all that stuff. They're big. All right, enough of this freshwater stuff. Let's uh, transition back to uh, to Reef, and uh, just a couple of quick um, rapid-fire <laughs> questions there for you, Dimitri. Um, Rough crowd, yeah. So I think we already talked about what your favorite um, SPS coral is. You, the, the, your favorite SPS is a coral you do not have, right, right, currently? Uh,
1: n- not, well, I just happen not to have it, but, uh, I like a variety of colors. I like vibrant colors and I have, you know, a passion for certain growth patterns. So it just has to hit from that perspective.
0: Favorite LPS. Uh, well, uh,
1: like I said, it was like, uh, the worldwide corals, uh, Syphastria. again,
0: something <clears throat> bright and, uh, lots of different colors in it. Simple. Do you have a dream tank or do you already have um, a dream tank in mind in the future or do you already have your dream oh, tank? Oh God. What would that, what uh, would that look I pro- like?
1: Uh, I, probably <laughs> at least three, four tanks away from my dream tank. And I think I've always been, um, but uh, it's probably going to be uh, at least three to four hundred gallons minimum. Um, maybe hole in the wall kind of thing with uh, my dream has always been uh, a good fish room. So basically have a dedicated room right next to the tank that can do all the servicing all the extra tanks plugged in and whatnot so to me half of the tank is what powers it and um, the, how easy it is to maintain it and uh, my dream tank would be one day uh, a big uh, wall painting and then a big room behind it with all the proper equipment equipment the table lights uh,
0: water that I can wash everything. So this, this would be my dream tank. Yeah. I've, um, it's, it's tough because, you know, the bigger the tank, the more expensive it's going to be, you know, just because it's, um, more livestock, you're going to be putting in there. It's going to be more equipment. Um, it's just going to be more involved, but uh, yeah, that's always kind of like kept me really from never going above 225 gallons is, uh, I feel like that's a good size for me. And, and, um, I mean, for me, a dream tank, yeah, it would be awesome. But if I had unlimited funds, yeah, I'd go nuts. <laughs> so, uh. True, but you, you make uh, some of it back by selling corals, though, right? Yeah, you know, gotta make a living. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Vermont John is asking a question that we were talking about. You, you actually uh, made a funny comment about this. He's like, what is that contraption behind Dimitri? Is that a torture device?
1: <laughs> well, uh, one of my other passions is uh, yoga. So, I teach yoga out of this room online and uh, uh, basically this is just some calisthenics equipment that I use. <laughs> but I like your uh,
0: thought process. Greg Carroll, can't wait till my daughter moves out, her room backs up <clears throat> to my tank. Oh, he's got plans already. Jeez. Yes,
1: uh, yes, that's the,
0: that's the move. <clears throat> Well, Dimitri, man, um, we're going to wrap it up. Any uh, any final thoughts you want to share with uh, the folks out there?
1: Well, listen, uh, I'm very honored to be on your show. Um, I'm looking forward to having you on my show so I can actually go deep on your husbandry and how you do um, biological and mechanical filtration and whatnot. So but having said that, Big fan. I really like your um, viewers. Um, I think you have really good people in your comments and, and people that follow you. So uh, I do have my YouTube channel so feel free to look me up um, and uh, Treasure Reef. Um, you, you can look me up there and uh, looking forward to more of your videos, Keith.
0: So thank you. Thanks, Dimitri. Man. Again, thank you so much for uh, for being a guest and taking the time. Really enjoyed uh, talking Reef with you. So for sure. Everybody, so. thanks again for tuning in, and, and Dimitri's right. Got, I've got some awesome viewers out there. Everybody's very engaged and asking great questions. I really appreciate you, um, you following along on this journey. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so my next show is going to be next Thursday, December 17th, and I'm going I'm to be interviewing the interviewer. Uh, I've got Devin from Reef Dudes that's going to be on my show. So it should be another great show. Hope uh, everybody will tune in. That'll be uh, December 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I've got Devin. Anyway, everybody, um, thanks again.